0: is for sharing and so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host Persin Patel and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in everyone. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Kiwi Foodcast. Today on the show, we have the author of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, Jayshree Ganda. Growing up, Jayshree didn't really know how to cook. It was more her mum's domain, who cooked completely recipe-free. Being a Kiwi-born Gujarati, Jayshree wasn't able to translate her mum's a little bit of this and that instructions into successful meals. So, she decided to write a cookbook that documented her mom's Gujarati delights in a format that was easy for Kiwi-born Indians like her to follow. After two successful print runs, a new reprint is now available today, we chat about Jayshree's journey writing the book and how her experiments in the kitchen have been going since that first book came out. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi Jayshree, how are you? Hi Pearson, how are you? I'm good. So um, let's start at the very beginning. Um, Tell us a little bit about your childhood. You were born in Christchurch, am I right? Yeah, born and bred in Christchurch and I just moved
1: to Auckland a couple of years ago. Okay. But uh, my childhood was in Christchurch and I just remember mum cooking um, Gujarati food every day. It's, It's just what I remember. Um, to the point of coming home from high school one day with um, a recipe from Home Economics for spaghetti bolognese. I was like, Mom, come on, let's make this. And she was just like, what, what, what is this? Because she only knew who could write the food. So. so,
0: Was that hard though, like from an identity point of view? Because you're like, um, so I have had a couple of other guests here and one of them was an Asian um, food blogger. And so she was talking about how it was a bit hard for her because, you know, you go to school um, and you You feel Kiwi because you're born here, Um, but then, you know, your parents are always just cooking the food from back home, so it feels a bit difficult. Yeah, for sure. Um, You get
1: quite embarrassed. Like in the 80s, when I went to school, we were the only Indians at our school. Even high school, we were the only Indians. Um, And you were always embarrassed bringing friends around because mum was cooking curry and the house smelt of curry. And and back then, Indian cuisine wasn't marketed. It wasn't even, there weren't even restaurants around. People didn't know what what samosas were.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, now it's a bit different, right? Like, people are more welcoming. There's more diversity around. So um, I think, like, I feel when I moved to New Zealand back in the early 2000s, I would be really embarrassed to wear, like, a silver kameez. But now, if you, like, walk, I, I feel like, or maybe it's just I've embraced my Indianness I'm not sure but it feels like more doable now. Yeah definitely there's so much more acceptance of our culture
1: I remember going to my niece Keisha's um, preschool and all the kids that dressed up in Indian clothes and we had a Diwali celebration and I was like oh wow imagine that as, you know if we had
0: that as kids so yeah. it is it's really great to see. So um, on your website you were talking um, I read that you know cooking was kind of like the way your mum showed her love now that's I feel like a really Indian thing right like do you have any memories around that that you could share with us yeah
1: sure the memories are, I go back to just two weeks ago I, I flew home to Christchurch and as soon as I walk in the door we we say our greetings and of course in the fridge is all my all my favourites and mum knows I go to the Rotley container and I go into the fridge and go what's to eat even if it's <laughs> 10 o'clock at night and so she knows to have my favourites okay and, yeah. and what are your favourites um, uh, lamb curry, okay. so of course, and oh, any, you know, oh, pateria patra so yeah that'd be my two my two big favorites
0: oh I love patra it's such a um and it's such a time-consuming thing to make I I mean I just buy the frozen stuff (laughs) (laughs) oh my god when I learned how to make them I was like mom that is too much hard work (laughs) why for this little bite so when when did you learn how to cook like was it something you were taught or you just learned by osmosis no um I remember my sister being the oldest
1: Lena she as a teenager as soon as she got home from high school Brotley was, making Brotley was one of her chores. She just had to do it. As a second child, I missed out. So I didn't actually get to learn until I went to Wellington to study in my university years. And I'd ring mum and say, hey, mum, I just bought some ginger and garlic from the supermarket. <laughs> and I want to make, you know, I want to make this. And she'd try to tell me over the phone. But it's just it just never worked.
0: Yeah, because, I mean... Indian mums and grandmoms have this annoying habit like you'll ask them for a recipe and they'll just kind of give you the ingredients but they'll not give you the quantities like so I remember I got married and I moved back to India um, and that was the first time I really had to start cooking Parsi food um and so I'd call mum and be like you know how do I how do I make this curry and she'd be like yeah just add like you know coriander cumin powder add this add this and I'm like but in what quantities like, <laughs> like where do you get this <laughs> oh the well that takes me back to doing the cookbook
1: with mum the cutest thing was is she just knew with her teaspoon mm. what to put in so she put used her teaspoon and put it into our measuring spoons. <laughs> and that's how we figured out the measurements it was classic like yeah also oh, she had like her own <laughs> own teaspoon and she just knew oh, five of those or two of those, but she didn't, she couldn't use a measuring spoon. Like, I'd give her the half teaspoon, the quarter one, and she just goes, Oh, I can't do this. So, she used use her spoon and, and tip it into the measuring spoon.
0: And I think, I mean, this is, I mean, we talk about mums and grandmums, but you know, I've done a little bit of consulting for Indian restaurants with Indian chefs, and that's kind of even how they work. Like, it's, I feel like a lot of people just cook by smell or taste, um, because even in the Indian kitchens, they don't seem to have like a teaspoon and I've cooked it in like a Marriott kitchen as well. So it's not (laughs) like, you know, it's not a thing like, oh, this is just a small place. But they all just kind of like finger, like just put it in and they'll just kind of know when it looks right. And I found that really, um, at least as a new cook, um, very challenging or very kind of just like oh my god like how do you know that's correct (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of senses
1: um being used and intuition they just have this this feel for it and there's some beautiful movies that show you this as well yeah um what's that a good one about the indian family that moved to france um
0: oh yes 100 foot journey yes yeah yeah
1: it's brilliant it's it's that intuition and that feeling just knowing yeah Mm -hmm. so so how did the idea for the cookbook come along Oh, so mum was, um, mum and dad sold up the, the dairy, the family business, and she had a bit more time, so I said, mum, you know, I really want to learn how to make a few of these things, let's um, write it down, and so we started with a, a 4B1 notebook, and my mum, while I was at home, sometimes by herself, she'd write in the, in the notebook some of her recipes, or she'd work them out, and it was so cute, it was her little Indian, sort of English handwriting in it, and I love that cookbook,
0: but that's where we started. Okay. Yeah. All right, and... Um, but, I mean, so originally you started it by kind of recording it, but did, had you told your mum that you were going to make this into a cookbook?
1: No, no, that that just sort of came about when I was sitting with my Indian friends. Like my Kiwi Indian friends are like, oh, so what have you been up to? And I told them, like, oh, my God, can we get copies of this notebook? Oh, our mum's the same. She's always saying a little bit of this <laughs> and a little bit of that. So, yeah, then I decided as a graphic designer, I'm going to I'm gonna put this together. I'm going to publish it. Okay. Much to my mum's dismay, really.
0: <laughs> and... Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people in traditional communities also have this thing where they don't want to share their recipes. Like, um, at least I've come across this in India, maybe not so much over here. Um, like, they'll share it with their um, their family. But, um, and especially so if they're kind of making a living off it or like, you know, if they're kind of <laughs> cooking it. Or even if they're not making a living off it, but, like, you know, they're the person people go to (laughs) for, like, for gos or for, like, a curry. Then they feel like, oh, no, it's, like, it's my recipe. Um, To give you an example, I remember I asked this auntie back in India, like, how do you make garam masala, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Now, I know that everyone has their own recipe for garam masala, but I just kind of wanted, like, you know, basic. basic. Yeah. And she was like, oh, no, 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 like, that's, like, my (laughs) garam masala (laughs) recipe. Like, I will only give it to my son. And I was just like... That's a bit random. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, what are your thoughts on, like, secret recipes and, like, um, whether they should be secret or, you know, you've obviously written a cookbook. But, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely
1: don't think they should be secrets. I mean, love is, um, food is love for us mm. Indians, and it's all about sharing. You know, you walk into an Indian household, and straight away they're, they're giving you food. So, you know, they're sharing their love with you. So, to me, sharing the recipes is a bit of love too. But it's funny that you talk about a I've got a a Kiwi friend, um, and it takes me back to a a memory where um, one of the people in our family got pregnant and they said to me, Oh, so do you know so and so is pregnant? I said, Yeah, yeah. He goes, I didn't know because it's one of these Indian secret things. (laughs) And I had to laugh. I go, What do you mean? Because you Indians always have secrets. Everything's a secret. I was like, Oh, really? (laughs) So, yeah, maybe it's not just with recipes, maybe it's.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Um, And I like how you said that, like, even the recipes and food is the way we show love because... if I think back to my Kiwi friends asking me, like, you know, oh, what happens at this ceremony or what happens at that ceremony? Um, like, I get that a lot from when I had my food blog where, um, you know, like I did my kids, like, walking ceremony or I did my kids sitting ceremony. We have that in in, uh, in Parsi And uh, they'd be like, oh, so what's involved with that? And I'd be like, oh, just the family comes and we do this, like, quick thing for, like, two minutes <laughs> and then we eat. And, <laughs> and this is, like a recurring theme. Like, it's always like we do this and then we eat. Like, that's, that's all the thing is about. But, um, yeah, so so much of, like, Indian celebration and family is about food. Of course.
1: And when you were talking, it reminded me of when um, the weddings are happening and the whole community get together, you know, to chop the potatoes and the onions and we're cooking, you know, for days or, we, or the ladies get up at 5 a.m. to, you know, get the buri done. Or, and it is, it's a community thing because we're all celebrating and, and sharing together.
0: Yeah. Um, so tell me, like, uh, you know, you were talking about when you went to uni and you told your mom like oh you got the ginger garlic and she was like oh you know that's not like the real thing (laughs) so for someone who's new to cooking indian food what would be you know like the key fundamentals that they really need to keep in mind like you know when it comes to Indian food, like if they had to cook a meal, what's some of the things to remember? Um, I'd say fresh ingredients are are key.
1: I mean, when you're working with different ingredients it's quite um, you learn different things. Like I learned when I was cooking with mum about mug beans. I I bought some from Binan and they didn't cook very well. And she goes, oh where'd you get them from? I said Binan. She goes, oh they'll be fumigated. And I was like, what what does that mean mum? She goes, oh they won't cook as well. So now when I buy mug beans, I'll buy them from different shops. I'm like, oh mum, these mug beans are really well. (laughs) And I feel like all my aunties talking about the best place to get the rice flour or the mug beans but you learn. So I think it's all um, trial and test and um, fresh ingredients or or knowing knowing the source of where the ingredients come from is probably a big key.
0: Yeah and I mean for me I think the big revelation was um, roasting the spices. You know like it just feels, I mean to be fair, many Indian recipe books that I have read don't actually talk about the step at all. I feel like they just think that you would just do it because a lot of them will just be like gather these spices and do it but when you dry roast the spices first it just kind of activates the spices um, I feel and that's like a really important step to do because if you just add them in and I mean I guess poach them in your curry they're not actually doing anything at that point yeah you won't get the flavor as I suppose
1: all, all curries are like that you need to temper those spices don't you even when yep. you go to Thailand they have the paste in it and it's cooked away so tempering away and those kinds of things are, are important and like you say roasting those spices you don't realize the difference until you try it yeah yeah well even like
0: if it comes to ghee um, you'll get a different flavor in your curry if you like start off the curry with ghee and temper your spices versus like in a dal where you add the ghee at the end um, because then that end one will add the creaminess to your dal. Um, I feel and I don't know if it does that like at least for me personally when I've Started off my dal with the ghee, mm-hmm. um, like oh, what difference does it make? Kind of thing. <laughs> it makes a difference. Like it doesn't come out that creamy. Uh, my mum would laugh.
1: She said, "Oh, she's your friend. What difference does it make?" Because it was me at the beginning yeah. before I learnt with the cook. But I'll like, say, oh, why don't you just throw it all in, or why can't you just put, you know, the spices first and then do the dal? Like, why do you have to do it separate? Or like with Gujarati curry, you temper your spices and then add it to the, the yogurt yeah. sauce. And I'm like, oh god, it seems. So I'm like, just put it all in and hopefully it'll turn out. But, it it doesn't turn out. So,
0: yeah, it is a key. Like, or even um, I've seen some kind of kiwi Indian recipes, like as in, so written by kiwis, but an Indian recipe. And sometimes it's also about when you put the spice in. So things like turmeric or red chilli powder or curry powder, they need to be cooked off. So you need to add them to the start with your oil while a garam masala is already dry, roasted and ready. Mm. So you can add that one towards the end. But if you add your turmeric towards the end... Then you'll get that kind of tasty raw and that butter, thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, for sure. So it's about also like yeah, add when do you add the ingredients, and like that's kind of like a really key part around Indian food? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely part of the
1: journey I learned. Like, absolutely. And understanding every part of it.
0: Mm. So one thing that I was quite curious about. Now, a lot of the Gujaratis that I've come across, at least in India, are completely vegetarian. While your Indian Gujarati Indian cookbook has a lot of like meat recipes. So is that just a case of, like, because your parents were living in New Zealand and they started having meat? or? Yeah, I believe so. Um, when we go back
1: on trips to India, we're, we're pretty much vegetarian and having a a meal of meat is like a a big occasion and Dad will have to source it from the villagers and say, hey, can you go find out where I can get some meat and we'll have one meal during our two-month visit in India. So, yeah, generally um, it is a Kiwi thing that we've, you know... Kind of of adopted. Adopted and brought up with, yeah. I suppose lamb is... Mm. Mam is a Kiwi thing and we don't eat beef so yeah yeah it makes sense Um,
0: and did you face this thing around like maybe the authenticity like when you when your book came out was it like oh you know can it be authentic considering you um were born in Christchurch did you face that a little bit um conceptually no
1: I really wanted it to be a balance of the um the Kiwi and Indian and you'll notice um I've got a a yin yang at the front and Mm. it's got the New Zealand fern and the Indian lotus and then I actually, no one will notice but I've specifically designed it so then at the back Mm. it's also there if you hold the book with the Folds oh, okay. open. Yeah, It's that whole balance of Kiwi and Indian. Okay. So there was never going to be a completely authentic Indian book. It was yep. more about um, fulfilling a need. Mm-hmm. Um, Realising when I was talking to my friends that they're like, "Oh my god, we want this! You know, we want this notebook." And I was like, "Wow, there's such a need." Um, and my sis, even my brother, he married a Kiwi girl. And I thought, "Oh my god, this fulfils a need for her to be able to cook Gujarati food for him."
0: Yes. And I thought. God, she's not the only one. There's so many of us. In fact, I mean, that's an interesting point you bring up because um, when I started my Parsi food blog, a lot of the comments I get are actually of non-Parsi wives who've married Parsi husbands and, you know, just want to show their love and, like, cook a good dansak or cook um, a curry. And um, my blog served that need for them because it was, like, they could kind of identify with me as a person who also didn't know how to cook Parsi food like otherwise it's really overwhelming for them to maybe go to their mother-in-law and learn um, or something like that while you know here's someone who's kind of making it easy um, and accessible for them. I got lots of um, letters and emails
1: from people one lady um, specifically in Tauranga she married into a Gujarati family and she said we moved away from Auckland and I learned one or two she learned um, Dukla and something else from her mother-in-law and then she said in your book and she sent me photos of Gujarati food she cooked nearly every day and then she sent me photos of her kids dressed up in Indian clothes and wrote me a big you know story about her and her husband and I was just like oh she has you have no idea what this has created for our family because we're um by ourselves in Tauranga we don't have a big Indian community
0: so I was like oh wow that's really beautiful yeah it was really nice yeah so why did you decide to go down the self-publishing route as compared to um like a you know um, a traditional publishing route um that was easy
1: i basically um had self-published helped other clients um self-publish so i run a graphic design business and in that time i had, um i don't know probably six or seven clients who self-published their own books where i did the oh, okay. graphics okay so that was an easy Okay, so you just wanted to yeah, there was I I knew about it. I had friends had you know clients had done it. I was just like that's an easy Um,
0: option. Yeah, and I guess now with cookbooks, I feel like then you also have the flexibility, right? Like because obviously speaking to you, I can make out that you had a very clear vision of who the target audience was. Like you know, it was Kiwi-born Indians or like the kind of second generation Indians. And sometimes when you work with a traditional publisher, they're kind of trying to to you know, their goal is to kind of go wide um, and then your message kind of gets diluted or like, you know, you're trying to do too many things. Um, yeah. yeah, I
1: actually had someone approach me wanting to reproduce the book Okay, and they wanted to change the cover and I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, this is not happening. This is this is my book and um, you know, I'm very specific about, you know, my cover took me eight hours to do like, to do New Zealand fern with all the Indian yeah. spices. I sat there with toothpicks and tweezers, <laughs> tweezers and stuff so yeah, when they came to me and offered to Redo the front cover and republish a second edition. I was like, "Oh no, you're taking away the essence." So, I think if I went down the publishing route, that's what would have happened. I would have been able. I would have lost control, and you know they would have taken over and and sort of dictated a little mm. bit. Where
0: doing okay. it myself,
1: I was able to produce what I
0: okay I wanted. And yeah. I think that's particularly amongst cookbooks, right? Because a lot of people write cookbooks. I mean, no one's writing a cookbook to get rich. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're just writing it because it's like documenting your journey like i was talking um we have one more guest who's come on the show and we were talking about whether cookbooks have had their time or are still relevant and she said something really beautiful that they're completely relevant because they're documenting a family's moment in time you know and it's almost like your family's history that you're putting out there so it's very personal to you and to how you've done it um and you're taking the reader into that journey so yeah I feel like if you did that through a traditional route maybe the journey would be easier like because they have the experience but that message would get diluted. In. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I made sure throughout the book,
1: I put um, cooking um, memories. Um, so there's a picture of a family um, yeah. having Sunday sippy chicken or the lady, mum teaching old us ladies how to make papad um, and kicha. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I grew up with. All the ladies would get together and do it. And people would write and go, oh my God, I remember doing that with my aunties. I was <laughs> like, yeah, these are all things we grew up with. It. Yeah. There was lots of lots of love that came through and one of the things I remember is um, someone buying the book and said this book is just full of love and I said that's exactly what it was about absolutely yeah,
0: yeah. um so obviously you're a graphic d- designer by trade so I mean you had that bit covered um but what about like the photography and the editing was it hard to kind of get that team around for the book or did you do it all by yourself how did that work no so I kind of
1: had to hunt for that my mum wasn't too sure about
0: that process because oh, I think we
1: should take the photos ourselves and I knew as a graphic designer there's there was no way that I would be able to produce the quality of photos that um, someone in their special um, yep. speciality could. I mean, someone can graphic design, I'm sure, but would it be to the quality of someone who's a professional? So I knew I had to get a professional for the photography because when you open the cookbook and you see the food, yep. you're like, oh my God, I want to make that. You yep. don't read the recipe and yep. go, I want to read it. It's a, it's a photo and her photos, deep for motive, they made you want to pick the food off, off the
0: page because she did such a great job. Yeah, uh, but I love your... I mean, the imagery in the book, because it's very, yeah, like you said, it's very emotive and it's just, I don't know, it's like normally Indian foods are very like, bright and coloured. But I think, I don't know, like you've got that colour scheme really right and it matches with um, the rest of the feel of your book as well. Like it feels like a kind of little history book book. Family history book by itself. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun doing the photography. Deb was a,
1: another creative. I'd sit at home and plan some ideas, and we just worked well, really well together. Um, and my key thing was making things original. Like as a as a designer, nothing could be copied. It all had to come from from my heart. So yeah. it had to be original. No looking at other people for inspiration. It had to come from what I felt that dish represented.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, so how long how long did the whole journey take you from you starting to scribble in that notebook to um, actually having that book in your
1: hand? Uh, when I finally made the decision, it took six months. But when I say six months, I'm talking uh, seven o'clock in the morning, I was at mum's and there were nights, 11 o'clock at night, we'd be making halwa And then I'm like, mum, I'm not going home, I'll just get the sleeping bag out, sleep on the couch. We did that so many times. Even our photography was four weeks, uh, eight hour days. Wow. Solid. And mum would be cooking while me and Deb would be photographing. So it was intense. It wasn't, um, you know, one recipe tonight. It was full time, both
0: me and mum yeah and I mean it's interesting what you say around the food photography because I always thought like oh like what would it take like and I just like just come in pop 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 take the photos like um and then when I started doing it for my catering menu and I'd had like a professional photographer I understood like how much kind of hard work it takes to set up like one shot um you can only do like I think four or five in a day and and that's like tiring like five is like a good like 5 or maybe like if you're trying to get to like the 7, 8 mark that's like a lot yes yeah. and you're so right because when she first um, came and uh, sat with
1: me and mum explained she somehow some photos will take 3 hours and I was like just gotta cl- click it like serious like I couldn't believe it. and some did Yeah, some of our category photos took 3 to
0: 4 hours just to set up get the right light it was intense mm. yeah it was intense um, so then you got the book in your hand and how was the selling process? Was that like a learning curve or did you already kind of have your audience in mind? How did you start to sell the book? Um, I didn't spend too much time on selling. When I started the book, I started
1: up a Facebook page and told my friends. Mm. Um, and my mum was concerned we were ordering 2000 because oh, I just don't think we're going to sell them. I, was like, I, I, just, I just had this gut Mm. Instinct that oh I don't I don't need to do anything for this book I, it's just gonna people need it it was mm. fulfilling a need I didn't want it to you know be you know on billboard you know yeah go way out and go hey look at my book look at my book it was just the Facebook page the Indian community just they all latched on and people from well, when I was living in Christchurch, people from Auckland were like come come to a book lawn we we'll put on the Jabani and then someone goes oh we'll do it in Wellington I was like oh thank you guys really lovely but you know the books are there if you want them you know and it wasn't into this whole sort of hmm. big celebration of it it was more of a it's the and if you need it by all means, I'd, I'd love for you to have a copy.
0: okay. And yeah. um, so since then, you've sold out of two prints and you're printing, I mean, you've ju- your reprints just coming out now, right? Yes, yeah, so I always imagined it would be a limited edition
1: print. Okay. I just thought, oh, we'll do the, you know, the first lot, me and mum will sign them all and the special people that got them in our community, you know, they'll get to have them. And that yeah. was it. And then... Um, people approached us bookstores approached us um libraries approached us I was Getting emails stuff approached people keep approaching us like, okay we'll get a small amount again and then we are finally done and dusted june this year and the emails keep coming every week <laughs> i'm trying to get a copy of your book you know how can i get a copy of a book this christmas every second day i was getting an email and i was like oh mom i i want people to have a book you know yeah. it was fulfilling their need and now i feel like i'm, I'm failing in that yeah. so
0: Okay, yeah. cool. And so how many um, copies have you printed out this time? This time, a thousand. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, yeah. so if you're listening, um, everyone should just kind of latch onto it <laughs> and get it quickly because we don't know if Jayshree is going to print another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to wrap up, if there was one myth about Indian food that you wanted to break, um, what would it be? Oh, God, that's a hard one. <laughs>
1: I don't really know. I think, um, have a go. Like, it's not hard. Um, I felt scared when I started with mum, but once you get into it, you want to start exploring and, and i say add a bit of yourself to it. You, you start um, adding more chilli or, yep. oh, I might
0: try sesame seeds in this or... And it's very it's forgiving, right? Like I feel like Indian food's very forgiving, Cause maybe because we use quite a lot of it. So sometimes if you get the proportions wrong, I don't know, it, it still works out tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a friend
1: who doesn't follow the recipe and just sort of, oh no, this much, this much. And I'm like, it'll work, it'll be fine. Just, you know, a few things, a bit of salt and stuff you need to adjust and chili. You don't want to yeah. go overboard, but...
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's funny because it feels, doesn't it feel like kind of life's come full circle where then now you're kind of like, oh yeah, just add a little bit of this, and <laughs> a little bit of that. And like you started off with like, no, I need this straight <laughs> recipe ingredients. <laughs> you're so right. And I said to
1: mum, we need it to be exact because people don't
0: know. We don't know if it's one tablespoon
1: or teaspoon. Yeah. So yeah, you know, once you, once you get it, then yeah. It All is. right.
0: So before i let you go i want to do my favorite section of the show which is called fast food five and now that's nothing to do with fast food but it's five fast questions (laughs) oh okay i I thought it was very clever to name that section there (laughs) (laughs) anyways are you ready (laughs) yeah sure okay if you were a vegetable which one would you be Eggplant. Okay. Why? <laughs> I was like, you feel, I feel like you really had that prepared. <laughs> I know. It was the first picture that came into my mind, so I'm going with my gut. Okay. And one kind of staple ingredient in your kitchen that you must have at all times? Garlic. Garlic, yeah, garlic. Mm. Yeah, garlic just adds that kind of punch, eh? And it just um, and like good, and you can use it in so many ways. Like, oh, it's a breed. different flavor. Like raw garlic versus like roasted garlic, sautéed garlic. Like my revelation was, um, you know, like Asian stores have that fried garlic. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. So try Try deep frying some garlic, and then you can dry it off and just store it, um, and then just add a little bit of that onto like your rice or whatever. Really? And it's just, oh, my God, it's delicious. Oh, my God, I have to try that person. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Favorite item to eat in a Gujarati Thali? Ah, uh, Curry? Curry. Oh, yep. you mean the dahi kadi? Dahi yeah, yum. sorry. Yes, it's my favourite as well. Oh, I just drink it by the cup at home. Yeah. <laughs> and bread or rotli, which one do you have more of at home? Oh, rotli, I would, yeah. Yeah. You know, I have these um, memories of, so our rotli lady in India used to come every day at kind of like th- four um, to our house to make rotlis and I'd just come home from school and my granny would give me like these three rotlis with like butter yeah. and sugar and you roll oh. it up and it's so good. Oh, Oh, yes oh yeah I remember that with jam even
1: now my mum said if you make the root leaf fresh freeze it and take it out heat it and it'll puff up again
0: oh okay so Is now that how it, you do it yeah so you, okay so you make it and then you f- freeze it while well,
1: it's still hot and fresh okay and then if you want it just two for a meal take it out of the freezer put it on oh. the um, hot plate and it'll oh, rise again that's nice I okay, know I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna try that <laughs> <laughs> alright and last question the one secret ingredient you like to add to all the food that you cook oh Oh. I, it, so many Gujaratis have the one ingredient, so I'm wondering if you're gonna say that one. Oh
1: god, I feel <laughs>
0: Oh, well, you yeah. have to repeat the question again now. Like a secret ingredient or like maybe just something that you always reach out to when you when you want to cook something. I mean, you obviously spoke about having garlic in your pantry, mm. but what's like the one thing that you add to all your food? Chili flakes. Chili flakes? Yeah, on top. I, or fresh chilies. One or the other. If, if fresh chilies in freezer, I'll chop it up, mm. put it on top, or chili flakes just to add a bit more spice. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I think um, it's been ghee. Like I've just, oh. I don't know, like felt, fallen in love with ghee again. Like it just, oh. you add it to the top. Um, um, of any dish and it just kind of adds that beautiful creaminess to it. Yep. Yes,
1: yes, I do love ghee. I'll, I'll eat it by the spoonful sometime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: so is that the one that everybody, um, sorry? Is that the one that most people
1: had in their... Um...
0: No, so uh, the Gujaratis always uh, reach for hing. He- oh, right, okay. Yeah, so like, if you're Gujarati and you don't need hing, then it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I've, well, good, uh, I've had a few, I've spoken to a lot of Gujaratis and they always consistently tell me hing, so funny enough yeah Yeah. alright well thank you so much Jesri, for coming on the show I've had a blast talking to you <laughs> thank you and um, yeah good luck with um, printing and publishing I mean you know just kind of re-putting your book out there and for all the listeners we'll put a link in there for where you can get your copy and like Jashree said there's only a thousand copies so if you do want one get on soon because I'm not sure if she's going to print them again. <laughs> thank <laughs> you person alright <laughs> for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.